Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This past week, Mayor Rahm Emanuel basically triggered an earthquake on the political landscape when he announced that he will not seek re-election to a third term as Chicago's chief executive. Candidates, donors, special interest groups, and others are still sifting through the rubble of what was the expected campaign scenario to look ahead. We're going to look ahead, too, in a conversation with Mayor Emanuel. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. There had been rumors that the mayor was considering giving up his re-election bid, and there'd certainly been speculation going both ways, actually. And the mayor and his campaign had been aggressively responding to criticisms from his challengers. But Mayor Emanuel's announcement on Tuesday morning after the long Labor Day holiday weekend was a surprise to just about everyone. Coming up in this half hour, we're going to hear from the mayor about what comes next for him and the city and what effect his decision could have on the city council, the budget battle, and some plans that are already in motion. But first, I want you to hear the mayor's announcement in its entirety. It was a carefully crafted statement that at times was very emotional for him. He stood at the podium on the fifth floor here at City Hall with his wife Amy Rule beside him. On my first day as mayor of this great city, I promised to make tough choices and face the hard truths we had not confronted, even when it hurts. Every day for the past seven and a half years, that is what I've tried my level best to do, to improve our schools, make our community colleges relevant, put our fiscal house on a stable footing, confront violence, and rebuild trust between the police and community, modernize our transportation systems, invest in our neighborhood parks and libraries, and grow our economy into an engine of jobs and opportunity for all Chicagoans. I'm not shy, and together, we've never shied from a challenge. Today, the time has come to make another tough choice. As much as I love this job, and will always love this city and its residents, I've decided not to seek re-election. This has been the job of a lifetime but it is not a job for a lifetime. You hire us to get things done and pass the torch when you've done our best to do what you hired us to do. I've approached public service the only way I know how for the last 23 years, giving 100% 24 hours a day, seven days a week for President Clinton in Congress in its leadership as President Obama's chief of staff, and finally as your mayor. For the last seven years, for the last seven and a half years, I've given my all every day and left everything on the field. This commitment has required significant sacrifice all around. Now with our three children in college, Amy and I have decided it's time to write another chapter together. In a few moments, I'll speak to my cabinet 
and tell them to get ready to sprint to the finish line in May. We have more to do, and from now until then, we'll do everything in our power to get it done and walk out the door, hopefully leaving Chicago and Chicagoans in a stronger place. We will stand ready and eager to work with whoever is fortunate enough to become the next mayor and ensure a smooth and positive transition. We owe our city nothing less. But today I want to speak to the people of Chicago for the opportunity to serve. It will fill my eyes with tears to leave a job I love, and already my heart is full with gratitude. We've worked together. We have celebrated progress together, and we've grieved together. Amy and I have made friendships across this city that will last a lifetime. I want to thank Amy for being such a remarkable First Lady. We've been together for 27 years. And when we got married, I told her I would never run for office. And I'm about six elections behind the eight ball. Six elections later, she's the only reason I've ever made it this far. We're blessed with three great children and I owe them so much as well. Politicians always say they're gonna leave public office to spend more time with their family. My children were smart enough to see that coming and they scattered <laughs> to the two coasts. So as of the other day, we are empty nesters. Amy and I are still young and Amy still looks it. We look forward to writing the next chapter in our journey together. I, always, I will always be here for the future of this great city. Not as mayor, but in the most important role anyone can play as a citizen. I hope I'll find ways to answer the call I've asked of every citizen, to do my part to stand up for the next generation who deserve the doors of opportunity to be open and the spark of hope to light their eyes. I'm grateful to my parents for lighting that spark and mine. And now I want to thank my grandfather. Who at the age of 13 took an enormous chance a century ago immigrating here from Eastern Europe to flee the pogroms prosecuting Jews to meet a third cousin he did not know in a city whose name he could not pronounce. In four congressional runs on the north and northwest sides of Chicago and in two races for mayor, you, the people of Chicago and on the north side, cast aside old history and voted for a Jewish kid with the middle name Israel. I will always be profoundly grateful for that and what it means to my family. This morning, as we started a new school year here in Chicago, I went to Bronzeville Classical to welcome students back for the start of a new school year. Amy went to Clinton, and then I went to Perez Elementary to mark the opening of universal full-day pre-K in Chicago. 
The changes we have made together to our school system, universal full day pre-K, universal full day kindergarten, a longer school day and year will add up to nearly four more years of class time for Chicago students. And in the end of the day, what matters most in public life is four more years for our children, not four more years for me. Together, since May of 2011, through thick and thin, we try to do right by our city's future. No matter how difficult the path, we never wavered or shrunk from our responsibilities. And I will never forget the honor it has been to serve alongside you, the people of Chicago, every step of the way. So from the bottom of my heart, sir, timing is everything back there. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, and God bless you, and God bless the people of Chicago. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore at City Hall, and you've just heard Mayor Rahm Emanuel's announcement that he will not seek a third term in office. Toward week's end, I sat down with the mayor for a conversation about what his next steps are. I want to start with some of the most immediate things facing you. Uh, you, you have talked about that $10 billion pension obligation bond deal <laughs> <laughs> that you and your financial team uh, mm-hmm. have, have, have talked about and they've mm-hmm. proposed but you still haven't yet said if you're going to uh, go forward with it. So let me ask the question in this way. How does a mayor who's not running again pass something that controversial? Well, first of all, what's controversial isn't that. What's controversial is that our pensions were never fully funded. That's what's controversial. Um, And we have stabilized them. Now I'm trying to strengthen them. Um, And... uh, If somebody else has, there's really three options. Massive tax increase, massive cut in public safety and neighborhood services and everything else government does, or you figure out a way to strengthen people's retirement and lessen the burden on taxpayers. Here's my idea, but if somebody else has, the other two is what I believe. If somebody has something else, bring it forward. Um, I believe that... um, Business wants to see our overall credit improved, which this should help. And labor wants to see their members get a retirement. And the aldermen want to see the tax burden on uh, property taxpayers lessened. So there's actually confluence of politics here. Um, When I have a confidence that it actually achieves those goals, I'll present it. But I'm not going to present it until that. But I would say this. You can take all the pot shots you want. I didn't create the problem, number one. Number two. What's your idea? Don't sit in the cheap seats and just take shots. Bring it forward. And if you, all I know is massive cuts, massive tax increases. I'm trying to prefer, prefer, uh, provide a third option. Okay, let me ask. That secures people's retirement. Let me talk to you about one other issue that is uh, fairly immediate, and that is uh, your administration ended its opposition uh, to the requirement the police officers report when they uh, point their weapons at people. Uh, That's that's not how I would... uh that's mm-hmm. not how I, I, I actually don't Okay, well, no, we're talking about the consent decree, right. so uh, all right, how would you characterize it? Well, first of all, it, we have an incomplete consent decree. Second is, it's, that's one piece, the whole consent decree, of reform. We did, every, every officer has a body camera and the training for it. 
ahead of schedule. Every officer has a taser ahead of schedule. Every officer has been trained on de-escalation of force use. Every officer has received training on mental health versus a crime call, how to distinguish and how to respond differently. Those are the reforms that have already been implemented. There's about another 100 behind that. The consent decree is a comprehensive approach to another set of reforms with the federal judge oversight. And we never said when uh, the attorney general, the superintendent, and myself stood there, we were opposed to it. We said it has to be done right because it deals with officer safety, just like training deals with officer safety. You know, about a year and a half ago, a young woman officer on the west side stopped somebody who was on PCP. He was so waked out, he was banging her head against the ground. She's physically impaired today. Why? She didn't bring her gun out because she hesitated. And the superintendent and the leadership said, we'll do this, but we got to do it the right way, not just any way. And so we took three or four weeks to get it right. But it's a piece of 400, 500 other things that are in there. And we never opposed it. But I also want to remind you, Craig, unlike other cities, when the Justice Department did the review, that was part of it. Justice Department reviewed Chicago. It was never in the recommendation. So we've agreed in additional things because it shows our will and desire for comprehensive reform. But even the, the officer who hesitated, there was no requirement when that happened. Her hesitation. Her, her hesitation was about not being a video and not being a problem for the police department. So you, here's one thing I know that, about Craig and Ron. We're not officers. We don't know the context. We don't know the situation. We've never put ourselves in danger like that. And we also know, don't know the, how a split-second decision can be life and death. So sitting down, writing something on a piece of paper about what people are supposed to be doing on the streets of the city of Chicago as an officer, it's not that easy. And so getting it right so we can have all the information we need to do to analyze something and then do the right type of supervision and training without doing it in a way that has an officer retreat from their responsibilities, it's not just easy about putting pen to paper, Craig. And so therefore, mm -hmm. it's smart to be right, not fast. What made this right? Well, I think you got to look at... I, the pieces that I think the superintendent can speak more eloquently and direct to that, but the attorney general wanted to collect the information. She thinks that was important. And the identity of the officers individually was important to the superintendent. And I think we found a way to achieve everybody's goal without compromising officer safety. Okay. One other individual <laughs> issue. That, uh, that I feel like I'm marking your top ten here. Okay. Well, you've got a top ten, or or, or so many uh, the, of, of things to do. So uh, mm -hmm. I can have a list too. But mm -hmm. uh, but I, I do want to get to some overarching okay. things later. Sure. But I want to talk about a couple of things right at the top. And uh, at the Amazon HQ two mm. is another one. A lot of what seemed to drive the city's bid was your drive for it and a lot of the confidence that the business community seemed to have mm -hmm. in the idea and a lot of people had to do with you being there. Does your decision undercut I, that I, effort? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I actually think there's three ways to think about this, Craig. One is, when I came into office, I don't know if you remember this, I remember I asked McKinsey and Brookings to do an economic report for the city. Mm -hmm. One never existed. Basically, around Chicago, we had a TIF. That was our toolbox. I said, that we, come on. 
So we developed a strategy around the five T's, you're tired of hearing it, talent, training, tech, transportation, technology, and transparency. And we could repeat them, we knew them, we knew what we had to do. Example, Chicago now leads the country in most educated workforce of the big five cities. I last week was with the president of Northeastern, University of Chicago, and Northwestern, individual meetings about certain things. I had meetings about the airports and our modernization last week. We follow that assiduously and companies, we've for five years in a row led the country in corporate relocations. Six, we've led in direct foreign investment because they see confidence, strategy, execution, capacity. Um, do I play a role in that? Yeah, I'm a, obviously a pretty good salesman. <laughs> uh, I've done it, you know, and I do want to drive towards that. And um, I'm on the phone actually, as you and I are meeting right now, taping this, mm -hmm. I'm working a company out in the West for big uh, uh, thousands of jobs here. Um, and people, the CEO or the chairman of the board, they work with the mayor. And, uh, but on the other hand, our strengths are bigger than me. And that's gonna be true because we have been for eight years investing in those strengths um, and making sure we have the best educated workforce, make sure we have the most modern transportation system, make sure we have the most innovative economy uh, that's out there. That, uh, and continue to build on the diversity of our economy. That said, um, obviously, a mayor, because of the way our system is set up, can give companies that confidence. I think we have a lot of strengths that answer for the long-term Amazon's desire, but um, we'll see if, uh, um, you know, I don't think my decision is gonna be the determinative factor, but it's actually a wrench. Like, you know, it's a bit of, a wrench is not the right word, but it's a bit of a, uh, a twist in the road for them. Well, this actually gets us into one of the overarching ideas I want to talk about, and that is over the next several months, I mean, you're obviously, you're still the mayor, and uh, there's a lot to do. And uh, I'll do it. Yeah. What can a mayor who doesn't have to worry about a re-election, what can he do that Mayor Emanuel worrying about a re-election well, Maybe couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a, it's a fair, not unfair. So let me say one thing that I think is true. And you followed. You've you have followed other mayors, and you have followed me. I think you'll say this, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. I tell you what I'm going to do, and I do it. You can go look at the what I pledged in 2011. Full school day to full school year from the shortest one. Took a strike to get it done. Said universal kindergarten for every child. Did it. Uh, said we're going to. Um, take and stabilize our finances. And we took $640 million worth of cost, ripped it out of the system, mainly in the healthcare space, not, but not limited to it. Took on the political culture with how we delivered basic neighborhood services and made it more efficient. And those meant political capital. So um, I would say to you, um, I, there will be a time where the, there's a transition. That's not now. I told my cabinet, two years worth of work in eight and a half months, we're gonna get it done. We're still gonna tackle big and tough issues because they're important for the future of the city. I don't plan on being quiet. I plan on being not only active, but to give uh, my allies the political support so they can continue to do what we've exactly done for eight and a half, eight years. 
make this city stronger for the future. But can you be bolder about some things when you don't have to? When you well, I'm, I've, I've named me. I've I'm, I've talked on subjects uh, and taken on issues where people didn't want to talk about the importance of faith and family. I said, no, we're going to talk about it. I confronted people with the idea it was dumb. To, uh, it may be a good electoral strategy to bash the central business district, but it's a really rotten governing strategy, and I'll confront you. No world-class city has a decaying central business district, and you're not going to get investments all around the city of Chicago running down the economic engine and the job engine of the city of Chicago. That may not be popular what I did, but I guarantee anybody that sits next door is never going to do that because it's not a smart idea. And I've been up front and challenging sacred cows since day one. The reason the pension problem became a problem is because basically it was too politically uh, difficult. I've been willing to do that. And my one thing I would say to you is if you're interested in popularity, this is not the office you want to seek. There's a lot of other offices that will give you the place to be popular. That's an office that requires a bit of craziness and willingness to confront problems. And I'll speak up on issues as I have. I said, like just the other day. We're not a tale of two cities. We're a tale of two investments that led to two different results. Nobody wanted to hear that. When I said, when it comes, not the only issue, there's a whole host, Craig, I have fought my whole life for investments. I helped President Obama, Clinton create kid care, health care for children. I doubled the size of our summer jobs program. Out of nothing, I created a mentoring program up to 7,800 young men. I fundamentally believe in investments and what government can do to help people, whether that's in pre-K, early childhood education. But I know what government can't do, and it can't love a child the way Craig Delamore can love his son and the way Rahm Emanuel can. And I'm not going to be scared about saying how family and faith play a role in grounding our kids and making good decisions because somebody who's an adult gave that 13-year-old a gun and let him go to a basketball game and use it. That is a responsibility of a parent to give a 13-year-old impulse control and definitely not put a gun in their hand. But I think you would have to admit that the, the tale, of a two, tale of two cities uh, perception has persisted. It, it persisted before you got here. Uh, I mean, that, that's that, the first that, time you've ever said that, and that's true. Yeah, it's not <laughs> the first time I've ever said it, but it, but it is in true. In my presence. Yeah, okay, granted. But it has been. And, and what do you do... In but the coming months to, to well, first of all, change not, that. But it's not different than what I've been doing. So here's what a classic example. First of all, it's other cities are dealing with the same topic. Okay? Absolutely. If you have a major urban city that's part of a dynamic economy, you're going to have some of that um, what feels like a split screen. But my thing is the tale of two cities misses the way to analyze the problem and then therefore fix the problem. If your analysis is wrong, you're not going to come up with the right solutions. We are a tale of two investments over the years. One was an investment and one was a disinvestment. And that led to different results. Look, I've taken the central business district and made it an economic engine not only for jobs, but more importantly for seed capital for the retail economy in the south and west side. The first place in a massive capitalization for the CTA that I went to was the Red Line South because I couldn't have people living on the south side that couldn't get access to where the jobs were coming and growing. 
And my whole effort of reinventing the community colleges system so it's a career-based system was to give people a passport and a visa to the 21st century economy because they educationally been cut off from it. And so I don't think all of a sudden you throw that out, what are you going to do in the next couple of months? I'm going to continue to do, I just came from the west side of Chicago in the Austin, East Garfield community, West Garfield community, where we're revamping the Malcolm X satellite office for 2,000 people to get the training they need to participate in healthcare, logistics, IT. That's key. I met, it was a beautiful thing, I met a 70-year-old man on the way out who said I, he wanted a photo, thanked me for being there. He says, I never even had a high school degree. I'm here so I can get an education, a GED at 70, a high school equivalent, so I can be a tutor. That's what that facility is. And I thanked him, hugged him, we did a photo. I said, when you graduate, I want to come to the graduation. Craig, that's how we lock people in. And earlier today, I was all the way on the west side at Prosser High School. We're creating a, a, tra a trade school for the building trades, carpentry, electrician, right. painting, bricklaying, laborers, all the, all the trades. Because today in Chicago, we have an unprecedented in our history economic boom in construction. Every one of those trades has people from out of state or out of retirement working. I want the kids of Chicago to be building these buildings. I want the kids of Chicago to be building these factories. And we don't have a trade school. I didn't create that problem. I'm going to fix it. But my point is that investment in Belmont Cragen, that investment in the Austin neighborhood, that's how you bring economic development and opportunity. That and you'll see it tomorrow with a big announcement we're going to be making. That's how we bring the type of uh, growth, that's why I fought so hard to make sure President Obama's investment was on the south side of Chicago, not on the west side of New York, okay? And that's not different, but for 40 years, the neighborhoods I'm talking about were disinvested in. They may have created something that you call the tale of two cities, I don't. I call them a tale of two investments that led to two different results. Our strategy today is to reverse that flow, and I'm not in seven and a half years, obviously in eight years. I'm not going to change it, but I'll begin to get the current moving in a different direction. We only have a few minutes left, but I uh, do want to have to get to do a little bit of politics here. Uh, I was hoping, but let's <laughs> extend it another 18 minutes. I got, about, I got about three hours of politics in me, son. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, you have more than that. Uh, but uh, Let's go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's going to be some 20 people, probably, in the end, run, no. run, running for your job. No, there won't but, be. But are you, are you distressed? This is the flirtatious period. Are, are you distressed by the kind of politics that it seems to have turned into, where you have candidates that appeal to very specific blocks of people? Yeah, everybody wants to says they're the whole city, but... You've got, you know, some candidates are let, let, appeal to the Latino voters, some yeah. African-American, some no, but, business. So, well, actually, I think you're saying that. So I'm going to say two things. Uh, because you're thinking about traditional the way Chicago does it, which mm -hmm. is true. Ethnicity, race, faith. One of the things I think was, at least when I was in the field, every, all the other candidates were one-trick ponies. They didn't get out of their lane. And you, if you're looking for a mayor, and the public knows this, you got to do the whole job, not a piece of that job. 
you got to have something on education, know how to deliver neighborhood services, know how to plow the streets, know how to build an airport, know how to have uh, create universal pre-K, know how to create international baccalaureate neighborhoods. You can't do a piece of the job. you got to do the whole job. And you got to have the capacity to learn what you don't know. And I've learned a lot in this job. Um, and uh, I think our politics, uh, there's a lot of people flirting with it. And for good reason, whatever, it's the opportunity to flirt, but that's not going to be all the candidates. And there may be that balkanization that happens, and probably will. Uh, that said, the voters are smart. They'll take a person's measure. They're going to lift the hood, check the oil, pull the spark plugs out, kick the tires, move the mirror around, slam the door open and close, and they'll make a decision of who they think is big enough, strong enough, and has the vision to fill that chair. Are you going to support anyone for mayor, or are you also? There's been some talk about what you do with the eight million dollars. I'm that buying you WBBM radio. <laughs> oh, we wish, but and I'll have yeah. some change oh. left. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, yes, you probably would. But or help aldermanic candidates yeah, I, with your with the, with the well, money. Let, in here's, your... let me say this: This is probably the former chief of staff, former congressman, D Triple C chair, as well as former mayor who never lost a vote. Never mm -hmm. lost a vote, Craig. And mm -hmm. you know that's unusual. Yes. Okay? Yes. I'm not leaving any of my friends on the field. I'm going to protect them because they've stood by me, and I don't forget them. That's, that is loyalty. I was loyal to Bill Clinton. I was loyal to President Obama when he asked me to leave my family. I'm a loyal person, and I'm going to cover uh, their back because they've been good allies in helping me build a city that's worthy of the 21st century. I'd like to thank Mayor Rahm Emanuel for giving me the time for that conversation. I expect we'll have at least a couple more before he leaves office. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. Just follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of Ad Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.